Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I'm joined by Dave Shields and a new guest, I suppose, Riley Shields. I, I do have a baby on my lap. Say Who's, hi, Riley. I don't I don't think she's quite at that level yet. Right. She's certainly going to chime in at some points, but probably not on cue and at the worst possible time. Great. Yeah. That, I mean, that is the job of a Shields. I don't know. <laughs> That's well, fair. speaking of which, I mean, Leo might come home in an hour and also blow us up. So. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It'll be a fun show. Uh, we we put this one off for a little bit, kind of on accident for various reasons. I got home from MagicCon Chicago kind of late, and then, you know, you pushed it a little bit and then had a dentist appointment where they just kind of obliterated your mouth. So Yeah. Yep. Work stuff pushed us. A, you pushed a day with travel. I pushed a day with work and then I got annihilated at the dentist. So here we are. And yeah, it turns out if your mouth doesn't work, then doing a podcast is kind of tough. It, Yeah. I was naive enough to think going in that there might be a chance <laughs> I'd be able to pull it off. And in retrospect, that was, uh, yeah. There was yeah. No I was like, well, he believes it. So I believe it too. So I was just like, yep, these are my plans for the night. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know why I ever thought that either, but. Yeah, blind optimism. Ah, uh, yes, the plight of the white man. <laughs> anyway, uh, Magic on Chicago had a Pro Tour. It also had a 75K standard open. Uh, Pro Tour was Pioneer. I played in neither of these events, possibly to the surprise of not many people. Not anyone that was paying attention, at least. No. Nah. Uh I did run into some folks that were just like, oh, you're still here. You're around. You're alive. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't go anywhere. We'll get you back there into the pro tour sooner rather than later. Well, make it be an actual pro tour and maybe I'll care. Well, you're part, you getting there is part of that, right? Mm, no, I don't think so. We need more ringers back. We got to increase the uh, level of competition. Well, you probably need to expand the Pro Tour by like 200 slots. Yeah. And I don't know, give Hall of Fame people invites, maybe, perhaps. Can we bring back the Hall of Fame? Or, oh you know, gosh. levels. I don't know. Yeah. If someone uh, gets top 16 at Worlds, maybe they should qualify. I don't It's hard to say, you know? Yeah, like I, I know that the intention was for these pro tours to kind of like slowly grow back to their original size. At least that's how I understood it. And, you know, the first couple being smaller, given that they weren't rolling into each other, made sense to me. I would have expected by this point for them to be, you know. No, 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 no. The first couple were larger and they scaled them down. They are not increasing the amount of invites they give away. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I agree. But like, didn't like the RC, like the, I, I think at least in the, the North American RCs, the number of people that were qualifying for the Pro Tour at like the first one a year plus ago was higher than it is now. Because Correct. balancing things. Because the first few Pro Tours were more people and then they scaled it down. Oh, I just assumed it was to like balance out the people qualifying from the previous Pro Tours. And at least how I understood it was things were going to try to get back into that 350, 380 range. But oh no, we're, we're staying at like, mid 200s yeah at least that seems to be their plan i do not know why because many many years ago uh like 2013 2014 i was like magic's getting bigger well it is even bigger now and 
with that comes a lot of people who are vying for slots and there are way fewer slots now than there were back then. Annoying. Yep. It's not great. I don't know. It stinks. Uh, I, I will say that, I don't know, like the 75K type of stuff, uh, like it is basically a Grand Prix, right? But like more of those things are good. It does help to satiate that for some people, right? But uh, we need more. The player base needs more. They want more. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are not as engaged as they otherwise would be given that there is just a general lack of things to do, especially if you, I don't know, like win an RCQ in the first like couple weeks or whatever, you're just like chilling for months. Yeah, the, the frequency and cadence of these things definitely feels very off. And like the fact that there was a pioneer event this weekend that only the qualified people care about both before and after is like a, a shining example of that. Yeah, and... Yeah, we do go into modern season next, correct? Because like MH3 and whatnot. No, I think we go into pioneer season next because okay. we just finished modern season, right? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about Atlanta. So yeah, no, I mean, okay. That makes it more relevant, right? Yeah. But the timing, like I would have loved to see this pro tour happen and then, you know, pioneer season kick off yes. in the next couple of weeks. But there's still like, you know, I think if you're not at the Pro Tour and you're like playing competitive magic in your area or at your store, you were probably paying closer attention to the 75K results than the Pro Tour results, which is crazy to say Absolutely. Uh So you watched the coverage. I yeah. did not because I was at Chicago. What were the numbers like? On um, like like Twitch viewership numbers? Yes. I, I mean, I want to say they were hovering around like 10K, right? Yeah, so- not, not great. No, they, they, they like kind of rivaled what I like, you know, think of as like a Star City Open from six years ago. Yeah. Brian and I did one of the SEGs that had like 22,000 people watching. It was yeah. the Hydroid Crisis one. It was like, damn. Now, like for whatever it's worth, you know, Friday I'm clicking in and out, still working. Right. But Saturday and Sunday, I just like put it on the TV at the start of the day and didn't look. So my, my estimate on numbers could easily be off, but um, I don't recall seeing a very big number ever. Hi, Riley. How are you? There she is. <laughs> she agrees. Yeah. Numbers too low. Uh, yeah. Bigger, bigger number, better tournament, I guess. I don't know. I will say like, yeah, I don't know. I thought the coverage overall, I tried hard to look at Pioneer even a little bit going into this just because I was interested in watching the coverage and I, I like watching coverage and I wanted to be engaged. I had a hard time like, finding any interest in pioneer at all um but the actual show itself was pretty good um the they delay the coverage a little bit now are you familiar with how they do this is that a new thing i think so at least to the extent that they, i mean not this pro tour but like you know over the last couple it's certainly new yeah yeah they delayed a little bit and then they record like the all the matches basically and then they they play them yeah, like it's not literally live, right? Yeah. So it's it doesn't close. feel like it's within an hour. Yeah, th- I think the the rounds, the the downtime in between rounds is less, but I don't necessarily think they show you more matches than you would have seen otherwise. Okay. But yeah, so the, like people can't really be tweeting their records as it's happening because it's a, a giveaway potentially if you're like on coverage and stuff so yeah exactly that so like l- looking at melee or twitter can definitely give you spoilers yes 
Um, and and how much those spoilers are is like, you know, goes down over the course of the day. Right. And as you get closer to around seven or eight, things kind of like line up. more. OK, so I will say, like, from just if you have coverage on and that's it and you don't look at these other things, it's kind of nice. Right. There's just like shorter breaks in between the rounds, which is like objectively good and not 20 minute sessions at the news desk talking about, you know, trying to fill airtime. Yeah. Right. So I, I like that aspect of it quite a bit, but, you know, can't you can't be on your phone. No, but, you know, if you're working, it's great. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it from that perspective. Listen, I thought the coverage overall was pretty good. Right. Cool. Um, I enjoyed the show and all of that more than I expected to. I think it helps that, like, you know, some of the more prominent players did well. I had a couple of friends in the running and horses in the race, if you will. Um, and it helps that, like, they're actually turned out to be a deck that was you know debatably new it's new it is new i mean it's it's kind of just reactos but it is new listen uh i paid very light attention to pioneer but i've definitely did not go over like the spoiler with a fine tooth comb looking for stuff just because generally there isn't much and then i had like put together this this Rakdos deck and had taken it with me to the last few events. Obviously, I've not played with it or anything, but uh, just like a more aggressive Rakdos deck with like Hazret and stuff. And I was like, I like this. And I was like working on the list, kind of finished it. So I, I posted it on Twitter before the PT. I was like, not qualified, but if I was, this is probably what I'd be playing. And then I see this, this Rakdos Vampires deck that is using Sorin to put in Vein Ripper. And it's like, oh yeah. This this was just the thing that I used to do is like look at vampires on the the new previews, you know. I just did not do that this time around. And like finally they made one that's actually really good. Yeah, the one time you didn't do it. Well, I'm sure there were other times too, but yeah. like this is certainly the one time before a pro tour or whatever. Yeah. It honestly I, I thought this deck doing well and when they started, like when I first saw it, like one of my reactions was thinking back to the list you posted, which is that like there was pretty general consensus that Rakdos in Pioneer right now, just Rakdos mid-range was not good. And the results certainly reflect that. But like all the Rakdos cards are still pretty good. Yeah. Right? So is there like a the different right shell? Way. Yeah. Different shell, different home for them. And, you know, you took one angle at it. This is a different one. Yeah. Uh, I did some stuff that I think makes it a little bit better against blue-white control, you have more of a clock for things like Lotus. Lotus also got uh, the Archer's Charm, so there was like a little bit of a resurgence there, too. And it was nice, finally, that like Amalia is on the downswing, which means that I don't have to do a bunch of like weird stuff with my deck, like play Grafdigger's Cage and like Path to Peril and stuff. And it was like a little bit more popular at the Pro Tour than it has been online. So maybe that would have been bad. I don't know. But uh, overall, this Rakdos deck looks pretty good. Yeah, I like it. It looked pretty good on camera, too, for whatever it's worth, right? Um, I know its record and winning percentage was pretty high. I think that's a little inflated just given the, you know, the the average quality of player playing it. Yeah, that'll happen. But, um, yeah, time will tell to see if this is something that we end up seeing in Pioneer RCQ season or whatever to bring us the numbers as always we have frank karsten reactive vampires 60 percent win rate 59 and 39 yeah 
I know looking at Frank's numbers, like my big takeaway from it was Phoenix. I think it's hard to argue anything other than Phoenix was like the highest performing deck, given that like it was the most popular deck. It was the front runner for the most popular deck going in. So like everybody going in had a good plan for Phoenix and knew that was like the deck to beat. Yep. And it still maintained like, what was it? 56 or 57% or something crazy. 57.5. Yeah. Which I find to be a very concerning thing. Personally. Yeah. I mean, Phoenix is the deck that is pretty good against blue white control. Blue white control was getting pretty popular. And then looks like Phoenix's numbers against Rakdos and Blue White were quite good in the 70s. And then 30 against Lotus Field, 41 against Amalia, and then 43% small sample size against Boros Heroic. Yeah. I will say watching Phoenix on camera is terrible. <laughs> Why is that? Like, they make a lot of these cantrippy decisions that you know, if I'm birding a friend are probably really interesting and you're like there and can see their hand and can see the card they're looking at. Oh, but, but like, they took away the hand viewer. All these intricate decisions and like all these pauses on these considers and these ops and the timings of it. It's just like hard to really appreciate the intricacies of that, like on a coverage stream. And um, yeah, it's it slows the pace of the game down a bunch and it's weird. I just it's not a deck that I enjoy watching. And it's weird because I do actually enjoy birding a friend if they're playing that deck. Because again, of how many different small intricate decisions you do end up making. Yeah, but no hand viewer. Yeah. And like you're not really sure even if like, you know, as you can kind of like see flashes of their hands on the camera, you're not really sure what you're even supposed to be looking for, right? Yeah. Depending on the rest of it, like what is ideal could be different. Whereas at least when you're watching this vampires deck, you know, you're looking for, you know, three black, black, black in the CMC, right? And then once you realize they have one of those in their hand, you're like skimming for the Soren. Like, do they have it? Right. So that's like a lot more exciting. True. Easier to follow. Yep. No, for sure. Uh, that's, that's all very interesting. I wonder how frustrated I would have been like watching Phoenix and just like, not having complete information and then uh yeah someone tanks on a consider for like a minute and i'm just like god damn it <laughs> yeah it's awful and like like the like the watching like jed play the deck i'm sure he does like a couple of things very subtly different than like the average player and it's like it's really hard for like the commentators to even realize what those things are or point them out or appreciate them so I think, like, you know, the, the timing of when you cast the cantrips, right? Or, like, you consider into another consider, do you put it on the top or in the graveyard? Like, these are things that, like, you know, slim margins, but you, you make a bunch of these decisions over time. And um, I think it's hard to appreciate each of those watching coverage, at least in the format that it is today. No, certainly true. Uh, overall, though, I guess not a whole lot of surprising stuff outside of vampires. Obviously the vampire thing is, is pretty big. Uh, Soren is like $40 and Bane Ripper's like 30 or something. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, big, big deal. Uh, not a lot of decks can kill Vane Ripper without, I don't know, <laughs> sacrificing a lot of things. So, uh, that will have to change. It's definitely going to, um, I, I don't know. My instinct is I, I don't know that this Soren Vein Ripper thing is something that's going to survive the test of time, but I guess we'll see. I mean, it, the thing is, it's like the shell is just so good anyway, 
right? Like the black cards are so powerful and okay, we'll just put Fable in here. Cool. Uh, yeah, how bad can the, it be? Fable's still the best card in the deck. Yeah. But Soren, when you don't have Vein Ripper, is like, uh, looked pretty embarrassing from the games that I saw. Well, it depends. I mean, Seth had two Dusk Legion Zealots. Uh, you can really only play three Preachers, I think, when you have Soren and Fable also. And yeah, then, and, and I think pretty much everybody else had four Zealots. Yeah, I would certainly be a four Zealot gamer for whatever that's worth. At least if you were just talking to me, that is not something you would have needed to mention. I would have assumed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going through some other lists, I think this is like more relevant for modern type of stuff. Like I, I basically was going through seeing if there were uh, Soren decks in modern that people were playing. And I found some interesting stuff with like Silver Smote Ghoul as like this vampire that you can discard to, you know, Fable or in modern season Pyromancer. And then uh, Soren gaining the three life brings back the ghoul to then like keep sacking and stuff. So like that is another potential avenue. You got to tell me what this card does. Oh, it's it's like a uh, prized amalgam. Oh. You, ever, you ever see this get played in Dredge? No. Yep. I'm with you now. Okay, yeah. 2B, 3-1, Vampire. It's like 1B, Sack, draw card. And then end of your turn, I think, if you gain three or more life, you can return it from the graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Yeah. Something along those lines. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Three power thing, Vampire that comes back. If you gain three life, Soren gains you life. Combo. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a Soren fan, personally. But... Is it because you don't own four Sorens? I mean, that's definitely part of it. <laughs> I also just like, I don't know, right when they posted this deck, like I, I didn't, again, I was busy, busier Friday, right? So like round four, all the deck lists go live. I don't want to jump to melee and look at them right away, even though like that is what I want to do because I don't want to get spoiled for the coverage. And then I see this thing and this is like what everyone's talking about. And I kept reading the other abilities on Soren that don't put a vampire in play, like assuming they did more than they did. Hmm. And they just don't. You got you got to understand. It's a three mana planeswalker. That's true, and it has a bunch of loyalty too. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's a little high variance or whatever, but Pioneer is very much the format that does not have ways to cheat on mana, and this is one of them. Right. So I would definitely take the more high variance approach if my choice was say play like a normal Rakdos deck or play something like this like I am going to opt for the thing that has the power spike yeah I think that's true for a bunch of the other decks that are also really good in Pioneer right of like they have some amount of fail rate but yes. you know the top 10 or 20% of their draws are incredible like significantly more powerful than the others yeah and then the other decks in the format are like I don't know bring delight omnath type of crap where it's just like no power spike just completely fair like a bunch of good cards pretty consistent you know but ultimately what what are you doing where are your free wins you just don't really have them yeah pioneer still kind of looks like and this soren thing kind of leans into that even more of like two people just playing against the wall yeah i 
I mean, I think it is better than it used to be, but this certainly does kind of bring it back a little bit in that direction, which is not great. Yeah. Oh, without a shadow of doubt, better than it's been, I think, even. But I think still kind of these are the things that really define it for me of like a, a weirdly high percentage of the games. You just both do your thing and you see, you know, which one you did it faster or better or first. Yep. And to that end, uh, gifted etherborn, maybe not what we want to be doing right now. Yes. I was I notified. Ask, I would ask the, you know, everybody else to please stop encouraging that and baiting you. Listen, uh, it is a vampire. First of all, second, uh, I was notified in the Discord that there was one player playing Gifted Etherborn in the PT. They did not do particularly well, but they did requalify with their Gifted Etherborn deck on the Sunday thing. Interesting. They were doing well because they were like on camera at one point and I was like freaking out. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go. Because um, It's hard enough for me to hold you back alone, right? The second other people start encouraging you, like, you know, I'm in trouble. I encourage myself enough, to be fair. I don't need help from other folks, I don't think. Yeah. Um, for whatever it's worth, Paul Rietzel, who is the one that got the credit for identifying the Soren Vein Ripper synergies on the CFB team, was the only one to play mono black. But also went five and five. Also went five and five. And didn't have any such nonsense. What what nonsense? What do you mean? I don't understand. Uh, he did not play any two, three death touchers. Lifelink also. <laughs> well, that's redundant with the Soren. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it is like two, three. It's that's a big body. Yeah, or three, four even. If you can't with souls, that curve. Uh, you know, hey, it's it's not weak. That's all I'm saying. Uh, anything else you want to say about Pioneer? I'm glad it's not pioneer season. Let's go. All right. Uh, standard 75K. How how much did you pay attention to this thing? I mean, a little bit. It was hard because they didn't have any coverage for it. Nope. And they didn't make the lists public until after the top eight. Yup. And the top eight was played on Sunday and the tournament started on Friday. Yup. Which is kind of crazy. And there wasn't actually that many players in it. Correct. So it was almost impossible to kind of keep up with it. And then when all the dust settled, it left me even more confused. I think me with everybody else. Okay, um, so I started looking at Wednesday and it was like, wait, there's only 200 people registered for this thing. This is so weird. It ended up having 511 players. Okay, well, that's a good step forward. Yeah, right? that's reasonable. Yeah, still, I would would have been a good amount less than I would have expected or guessed. But I think a Friday start is a hard thing to pull off, too. It is, for sure. So, uh, this event was won by a 68-card Sultai deck featuring a lot of cards that no one has ever played with. And you may be able to guess the pilot, which is uh, CFT Sock. (laughs) Yeah. Because that is just them doing their thing, and and it rules. So I learned an interesting thing two weeks ago. We learned what CFTC, CFT SOC stands for. Oh, which is what? Do you know? No. Once it, I was told, I was like, oh my gosh, I should have known that. Combo for the sake of combo. That's incredible. Yeah. 
I had the same reaction. Um, and wow. my experience with this is I saw the deck list for the first time on my phone and immediately jumped up and had to go to my computer because I was pulling way too many cards up I had never read before. Did you know what Splendid Reclamation did? No. Oh, I did. I mean, it like rang a bell and was like familiar enough that I thought like maybe I did. But then like, even once you read it or realize what it does, I don't know that that helps you or even makes me more confused trying to figure out what the deck did. Well, okay. So there was a Splendid Reclamation deck uh, in Pioneer that people played in Atlanta. First of in- all. News to me. Okay, so this was the the Splunking combo deck. Are you familiar with this? No, but that's start, starting to make more sense. Okay, so Splunking makes all your lands ETB untapped, right? Dwarven Mine is if you control three or more mountains, it enters untapped. And also, when it enters untapped, you make a 1-1. One, one. Oh, Splunking makes it make 1-1s one, without mountains. Correct. Also, it works with Mystic Sanctuary. So anyway, there is a Splunking, Mystic Sanctuary, Scapeshift, Bring Delight, Splendid Reclamation pile that you can play. Where there are lands that allow you to kill your opponent. It's a lot of nonsense. It's a lot of nonsense. Anyway, uh, Splendid Reclamation has also been in like Valakit decks, uh, Majors played with this card a little bit, uh, Will Urker, who is someone who is basically picking up a lot of the slack since Majors has been at Wizards and just like building new weird decks. Like Will was the person who built like the Esper uh, Monastery Mentor Hottie Jin deck for Standard, for example. Hmm. And uh, Aftermath Analyst is a card that I saw on the preview thing where it's like, oh, this is Splendid Reclamation on a creature. Maybe this is okay or whatever. But like certainly when I pulled up the deck list and saw Aftermath Analyst, I did not realize that that's what the card was. Uh, but yeah, this whole thing plays all the the, the evolving wild gain of life. Uh, what what are the, the names of the things from Streets? Like Broker's Hideout? What is Broker's called? To me, they're Sacklands, but they're... Um... No, I know, but like Obscura, Broker's, Riveteer's. They're like guilds, but not guilds. I know what you're saying, but this is not going to be something I think of. Yeah. Anyway, those things. Uh, got got 12 of those. And then uh, a lot of basics, obviously, because all your lands are like going to the graveyard and whatnot. And yeah, you just eventually like Splendid Reclamation back a bunch of lands with a Nissa Resurgent Animist on the battlefield doing its Lotus Cobra thing. Uh, you have Slogurk to recur stuff and there's an infinite in there don't ask me about it i know a bunch about the infinite because we spent three hours laughing at this and trying to figure it out and it took longer than i want to acknowledge or admit but also we were like kind of having fun with laughing about how nonsensical it was but it essentially involves like using slogurk to bring back takanuma and looping that repeatedly and then back your Jace or eventually you do it enough times to loop back and Jace mill them a whole bunch of times in a row. Yeah, cool. Which, you know, 68 card deck to try to make room for all the lands and the self mill effects, which makes a bunch of sense. Don't ask me why it's 68, not 70 or 66, but they did the math. 
they did the mass. They did the mass. Um, and only three slow Gurk, which I guess is surprising, but you don't really need that. That's just like for when you have to kill them on the spot. I would imagine a good amount of the time you just like make a bunch of mana. Put a yeah, Traxa in play. You have like a Traxa, you know? Yeah, and, and, and most decks in the format aren't going to be able to beat that, right? Yeah. It, I mean, combo for the sake of combo, right? It's like you have this deck that does these potentially powerful things, and then you do have an infinite if you actually need it, but most of the time you don't. Yeah. So relatively vulnerable to graveyard hate for whatever that's worth, but at least in the format last weekend, that wasn't really something that existed. So there are things like Demir Reanimator and like, you know, the Rakdos Reanimator deck existed for a little bit where I was already kind of close to putting Unlicensed Hurst in some of my sideboards. Now I think I'm just gonna, you know? Yeah. I think I think it handles enough of like the fringe decks that exist. And it it is also like one of the better cards against the Monastery Mentor deck for whatever that's worth too. It's so like all these decks are maybe like 3% of the metagame, but like that adds up. It adds up and it's like an absolute ace in those matchups. Yes. Right? Whereas I think like kind of the only tangential graveyard hate that like people have been playing is like the Tranquil Frillbacks. Yeah. In the green decks, right? But even that is like the green decks are not on the up and up right now. And even, you know, most of the green decks don't even have that. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess there, there's also the Sultai reanimator deck and that made top eight too, which was made popular in a Japanese tournament. And this looks mostly the same, I think. Yeah, relatively close. And th there's a good amount of different reanimator nonsense things people are doing enough that like, you know, th that that hearse is just going to get even more random splash hate value. Yep. So I, I do like that. Uh, fun fact, I was just poking around a little bit and was looking at uh, CFT Sox matchups. And fun fact, they lost round one and then won 15 matches in a row to win the tournament. Impressive. Or I guess 14. There's an ID in there probably. But Yeah. I was just like, yeah, like, how does this deck do against Boros Convoke? How often did they play against it? That kind of thing. And it was like, oh, round one, lost Convoke. And then over the course of the tournament, I think they beat Convoke two or three more times. Uh, yeah, it looks like three times. And yeah. one of them's listed as Boros Aggro, not Convoke. Maybe that's the same thing. Maybe. I mean, th there are some red decks that are just splashing. And like Aaron Barrich won an RCQ a while ago with Red White Legends. So, I don't know. It could be something along those lines. No, nope, it's just Convoke. Okay. But impressive run, impressive deck. This stuff's like, you know, way out of my wheelhouse. And it it uh, impresses me that people are able to put these types of things together. Yeah. Um, and, and also just, like, have it be tuned enough to, like, win the tournament on your first go, you know? Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Like, having it just play this and it, having it even be competitive is impressive yes right but have playing it and just crushing the tournament that's a different level yeah kind of unreal uh rest of the top eight had a couple esper mid-range couple azorius control uh demir mid-range domain ramp and the reanimator deck so overall pretty diverse top eight no boros represented interesting Boros got beat up. It did. Uh, highest finishing one is in 16th. 
I think part of this though is this is this is probably the deck that I've been working on the most just because there were some pretty clear problems. I wanted to see if I could solve them, namely the blue-white control matchup. And I have a couple different options, like directions to go that I think are fruitful. And everyone in sideboard continues to just be like, oh, I got you know, two ofs of like three or four different removal spells, and then I got like some three mana enchantments or whatever, and like that's it. We just call it. But there is nothing resembling a, a coherent plan for for beating any of these sorts of matchups. And I think that that's a mistake. Yeah, I would agree. And I would I would wager that like sideboarding in general with the Boris Convoke deck is probably something that's like a little bit challenging and not intuitive for people and that a lot of people are probably getting off. Possibly. Yeah. The the plan that I am looking at for those curious is something like eight or nine cards where against blue white, you board out the warden of the inner skies, uh, the, the bunnies that I have, but like no one is playing the bunny anymore. That's kind of weird. I don't know. It's like, I think it's fine to not play it, but they're playing like sanguine evangelist over it, which doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and having like three Mirex in the mana base and boarding into a fourth, uh, four Takesha's Welcome, and then two Song of Toten Tens. The Rat Fireball. Hmm. And do you think that gets you to parity in that blue eye control matchup? Or do you think that it's it's weird because you probably lose game one? Unless you have a good draw, they have a bad draw. And then game two, if they are able to kind of like figure out what your plan is, where it's like, oh, they just have like a bunch of lands and this enchantment that's really important. And this this rat fireball combo thing is like they could just board in like two negates and I probably lose. <laughs> so it, it's very strange. Yeah. So as long as they don't know your plan, it, it, it stays a lot more reasonable. Yeah, or or if they just like don't adjust after the fact, you know, just like treat it the same, then it's fine. So, yeah, did you? I, see I don't the, know. It's not great. Did you see the spread for the matchups? Uh, yeah. Convoke so, was thirteen percent of the field, and still had a fifty-three percent win rate. So still, like win rate rise was above fifty. Yeah, it's not bad. Right, but it was uh thirty-six percent against blue white, which is. A little bit lower, and again, these are smaller sample size, right? Sixteen and twenty-nine, so not a not a super statistically significant number. But the most surprising one was it went six and seventeen, or twenty-six percent against Demir. That is not super surprising. It's not. You think Demir beats up on Boros in the postboard games? Absolutely. Huh. Okay. But but again, so this this is a situation where like if they have a bunch of sweepers you can basically just sideboard against them like they are blue-white control and probably beat them up that way. And I don't think that they have a whole lot of recourse. Got it. So if they're sideboarding to beat your game one deck, they're going to be in trouble when you board into this. But if they realize what you're doing and sideboard to beat that, they can have a more reasonable chance. It's still more reasonable, but it's not like blue white where they still have a bunch of like lockdowns and things that are just always going to be good against you. They have like spyglass siren, you know, cards yeah. that are just fairly inconsequential. So they would still need to draw their duresses, negates, whatever type of thing they board in against you to stop your enchantment and stuff. Um, and it may or may not line up, you know? So 
I, I kind of like this as a sort of full transformy thing against Golgari, Demir, like any sort of deck that is like, well, I'm just going to board in a bunch of like Path Perils and Nightclubbers and Gix's commands and just beat them up. Hmm. Well, I have an RCQ on Saturday. What should don't, I play? Don't do the Boros thing because I have not actually tested it. You should play Demir. Yeah, I'm going to play Demir. Hell yeah. Okay, so Esper was the most popular deck. Esper has a 50% win rate, 51. Demir, less popular, 55% win rate. Uh, good against all the stuff, except for Domain, where it's 40%, and Mono Red, which is 47. And then I guess Blue White, it went 50-50. But like Domain and Blue White are definitely two of the things that are very fixable. Yeah, if you want to beat them with your sideboards, you can. Honestly, I, I was like trying to talk myself into Esper. My logic was like, maybe the white cards are going to give me an edge in the Demir slash Esper mid-range matchups, and the white cards are going to help me against the aggro decks. But like the breakdown of these matchup spreads and talking to people that have actually played a lot more games than I have, that is not true. Nope. Also, your, your mana just gets so much worse. Yeah, so that, I think that's the thing I overlooked a little bit as well, right? Um, but seeing how well Demir did against Esper specifically is kind of what pushed me over the edge. And I love how good the sideboard is. You can go a bunch of different directions with it. Have you seen some of the trends with the Demir deck lists recently? Yeah, I don't really like it. I knew you weren't going to. They're cutting no, all the so, cards that you like. So Lazav is okay. I do not like Cryptic Coat. Uh, I certainly don't like Ledger Shredder, if that's a thing that you were going to bring up. No, I'm not, I wasn't going to. I wasn't even going to go there. Uh, other than that, what else? Schooners are going way down, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't G like that. Good amount of people are playing zero or one. Not a lot of people playing more than two. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't block particularly well, I guess. Maybe it's inconsistent on that front. I don't personally get it either. I, I disagree that it doesn't block well. It's got, it's got four toughness. Yeah, I guess that's, I mean, it, it, I guess it does block well in that sense. But like, as your two, if it's your, you know, you don't have a Spyglass Siren on turn one and it's your two mana play, it's not blocking that turn. Sure, but what other two mana card, like your bat isn't blocking. Lazav is a thing that blocks okay, but yeah, the card that you play instead is like Fairy Mastermind or like more Make Disappears. And... I would argue that playing Schooner and then playing a three, whether it's like Preacher or Gix, and then forcing them to either like kill that blocker, you just get to crew up the other thing. Like that allows you to stabilize more so than playing like Fairy Mastermind into one of them. Yeah. I mean, all that makes sense. I'm on the fly here trying to rationalize it because I, I, I can't really come up with a narrative that helps me figure out what the logic is in trimming them. But it, it the Schooner's going way down pretty much across the board. I the know. more like trendy, less popular thing that a few people are doing is cutting Spyglass Siren altogether. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, you, if you have Gix in your deck, that is not okay. Cutting one in, one mana cards, I, did, I didn't think was going to be okay with you under any circumstances, so. No. If anything, I want to play more of them, but I don't know yeah. if that's actually viable or not. Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing that's pushed me in the blue-black direction is playing other black mid-range decks and wanting to continue to lower my curve. So yeah. 
it would be hard for me to rationalize going to blue black and then not also playing the cheaper cards. Yep. Yeah, I like I like three cut down. I would be on board with a small amount of duresses, like one or two. I had a copy of Fairy Dream Thief in and out of my decks at various points. You know, I, I'm very, very much so trying to limit the amount of four drops I play and to some degree limit the amount of threes. But if you're like, oh, you really want to play Preacher and Gix in large numbers, then it doesn't leave a lot of room for Tidebinder which is what a lot of other people have been doing. And then clearly the domain matchup suffers as a result. Yeah. And all that lines up, which is where I, I feel like you can build this blue black deck to be good against a lot of different things. So if you have a good read on the field yes. at your specific area or location, you're going to be able to tweak it and tune it to beat what you want. And if you just like go and look at deck lists across a range of players and, you know, magic online events, like there's a huge variation in how people are building it. Um, None of them are probably right or wrong. They're just picking and choosing which matchups they want to be able to beat or be right. better against. Yeah, but like uh, four make disappear, one Aklazots. No, thank you. Yeah. Specifically looking at the list that got second. Most of the other stuff I I do like well enough. Like two Airtide, two Shieldred. I think that's a good mix. I think two Lazav is fine. One, one Schooner I do not like. Uh, but how do you feel about Malcolm? Malcolm's fine. I mean, I would assume it's now competing with that schooner slot, right? So no, I mean, it's competing with fairy mastermind. If anything, Um, most of the list I've seen that have any amount of Malcolm's already have the full four fairy masterminds. Okay. At least the two that I'm looking at, but there's so many different ones that again, kind of all look the same on the surface, but actually have quite a few differences because they like, also, just like randomly omit cards that you don't expect to get cut. So if you're just like looking at the numbers, like, like man, yeah. how did they fit all of this? And they just cut some card I didn't even think was on the table to cut. Yeah. Uh, this one has two Invasion of Cats. I don't think that's where the meta is, although I do like that card if there is more just like mid-rangey and rampy things. It's fun, that's for sure. It is fun as hell. Uh, one of the... Uh, I think the third best Demir list has no schooners, three invasions. Yeah, CCR's list. Where where are you at on restless reef counts? Three, three, just safe. Three, three with twenty five land. If you play twenty six land, you could play four, but I don't think there's a reason to play twenty six. I would just rather keep the curve low and then configure the mana base in such a way where you are able to curve out effectively, which means three reef, three shipwreck marsh. Which is conveniently what the second place player in the 75k did. Basically my exact mana base, except they had an extra Murex over a basic, which I could kind of get behind, but it is weird when they're going down to one schooner, scooter, whatever it is. I just call it a scooter. Boat. One boat. I mean, two mana boats are more like canoes, right? Sure. But yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna shuffle it up. I'll um start putting it together after this, and probably have some something relatively close to what you've been playing, and we'll see how that goes for me tomorrow. Ooh, okay, this is interesting. Twenty fifth place list. Uh 
no boats, but the reason I was not playing this card before was because it didn't work well with the boat, which is Sleep Cursed Fairy. And they have four of that and four Spyglass Siren. That's appealing. I could kind of get behind that. And that kind of feeds into my desire to just lower the curve. Yeah. Three Kite Sail Larcenous, too. So they're really just trying to... I don't like their mana base, though, because they only have 12 untapped blue for turn one, and then they have, like, four Restless three, four Shipwreck Marsh and 23 land. I kind of get it when you have two Lilianas also. Like, the Lilianas are a good call with all the blue-white decks, for sure. Uh, this, it, this take is interesting. They have the Cryptic Coats, too, which... I don't know. I was not a Cryptic Coat believer or fan, and I have dabbled a little bit in Cube and been crushed by that card a couple of times, so I'm starting to get a little bit more interested in revisiting or trying it again. Well, if Gix is the best three, Preacher is probably the second, and then I think it's Tidebinder. Yeah, so you're just it, it might be a good card, but you're just clogged at that slot already. There's a lot of competition there. Yeah, what like and also you're talking about like maybe playing Liliana if you want to hammer blue white. So it's just like what, what card is this better than? Yeah, and this this Sleep Curse Fairy list that you're describing doesn't have any of those threes. Doesn't have Gix or Preacher. Uh, especially like Gix with Sleep Curse Fairy. See, this is what I was saying when you're reading these lists, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, they're playing these things. That's cool. You don't really realize what they've cut because no. people are just... Yeah, yeah, certainly when you have like Invasion of Cats and Kite Sail Arsonist and Cryptic Goat, it's like, well, you're not playing some of the threes that I want to play. That's for sure. Yeah, and they cut two land. Yeah. For an Eklazots, which has a land on one of the sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn seven, it might be a land. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, know, assuming you hit your first five. Yeah, it's it's hard considering you don't have Gix to draw you extra cards, you know, but eh. yeah. Are you an Aklazots believer? No. If I was going to play a five, it would be a Gix's command. And I think that's fine. I mean, is the logic with the Aklazots, you think that like the blue black slash Esper, Esper mirrors is where it shines? Or where do you think you're getting most of your, your value if you wanted to make an argument for why it's good? Brother, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think they think it's good against Mono Red. Really? I mean, there can't really be a planet where it's better than another shielder in there. Uh yeah, probably true, but like I can't see a a world where you think that this is like the mid range game breaker either. It costs five mana. You're not even playing a cavern souls or whatever. Yeah, I'm with you. These decks have like make disappear and Everyone seems to have it, and I guess that's because it's a mythic rare and looks fun. It does look fun. It was very fun for me in Limited, the times when I had it. It does look good in Limited. But but that is where it ended for me. I was like, I'm just going to leave this in my 40-card decks, you know? Fun. It would be different if Gix's Command did not exist. You know, and it was like, oh, this is like the, the best 5-drop you can possibly play. Like, okay, then I get it. But I think that a, I don't really want any fives, and B, command is almost certainly more effective at doing basically all the things that you want this card to do. Aklazots is probably easier to find on site than Gix's command. Well, I have Gix's commands, and I don't have Aklazots, so that that's kind of the inverse for me. So you have Gix's commands 
because I was prepared for Dallas. Yeah, I think you brought like nine with you. <laughs> I didn't bring that many. A Path of Perils, I did have a lot of. If you check the price on that card. No. That card is now $7. Wow. I think I have two and I think they were both yours, but I'm only going to owe you what they were at at the time you gave me them, which I might have been 50 cents. Yeah. It, it was like if a store had them, I bought them because they were in all of our decks. Yeah. Oh, this is, yeah. When you went around and got made fun of at a bunch of stores in a row. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, what the hell are these? Well, these are now $10 standard cards. How's that taste? Yeah. If I wanted to tweak my list to have an edge in the mirror, what would that mean? Uh, Just have more brain cells. Yeah. Sleep Curse Fairy, honestly, is probably pretty good. Uh, lower Curve is good. I, I assume like the third or fourth go for the throat is like probably pretty appealing. Well, yes and no. So like that that's one of the things, right? Is like none of the removal spells people are playing actually kill the boat. Well, nobody's playing the boat, right? So I, I know. Maybe but, we should be playing the boat here. But, but that just means that like when you play the boat, it just kind of like dominates. Yeah. So if you have like three or four boats in your deck, I think that you're in a pretty good spot. Riley agrees. Yep. Dude, she's smart. All right. So just play better. Your sound it sounds like, but there's not like any reasonable way to tweak my list by a card or two to gain any significant edge there. I don't think so, really. I mean Larsonist is a card that dies to cut down, whereas Preacher and Gix do not, so that's good. That bodes well for you. Your boats are going to be good. Uh, obviously, don't play boat and sleep curse fairy. I think that that's not great, but uh, one or the other is probably helpful. And yeah, just don't play a bunch of like five mana things. I think you could play a cavern of souls if you wanted to. That just like lets you stick shieldred or one of the three drops through make disappear doesn't cost you a lot and like the deck has eight phyrexians or something yeah cavern seems reasonable but that almost makes me want to get up into the 26th land territory yeah i mean i could see like four reef three murex one cavern 26 if you wanted to but that just leaves you in kind of a bad spot against mono red and stuff like that yeah too many too many lands maybe i need the aquazots no Ooh, Grixis mid-range. What's this? We corpse appraising? We are. Oh, Hidetsugu and Kyrie. Trumpeting Carnosaur. Ooh, push pull. That card is sick. Yo, this deck's tight. Yeah, don't brainworm me. Tell me about how good it is next week. No, it, it looks it's probably terrible in in the format. But it looks cool as hell. I mean, that's been my experience with red cards in this format in general. Yeah. Oh, C-double is the copy a spell, clone a spell, or clone a creature. That was kind of my only requirement going in as I started looking at things. I'm not putting any red cards in my deck. But my Boros cards, though. Yeah, I guess that's fair. You could do that, but no. No red cards. 
No, I would not. I would not try and get you to play Boros because everyone, everyone is just hating on it. You know. Yeah. Everyone has six sweepers after board. It is not that fun to fight through it. I do think that there are potentially ways around it, but we're not there yet. So don't worry about it. Yeah. I was like pretty on either some amount of Demir slash Esper or Ramp. We were like the only decks that like were appealing to me. Yeah. Jarvis made top eight with Ramp and it was like just the old list. And Ramp does not look very good to me. No. I When I saw that he made top eight, I was like, all right, maybe he figured something out that sounded appealing. I wanted to look into it more. I mean, I like a few of the smaller changes that he made to the list. I think that moves in the right direction, but I still don't think it's very good. Well, yeah, lockdown main. We were pretty high on that, but still playing Beanstalk and then also cut a bunch of the Sunfalls for Depops, which, again, I do think that you sort of need to do, but it makes your Beanstalks much worse, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. And then it's just like an eh, invasion of Zendikar, one Tide Binder, whatever. Is Long Goodbye a card that I should have in my Demir deck? Uh, my list, I think, had one, one with a bitter triumph and two go for the throats. Yeah. Do you want to have a go for the throat and die to a schooner? Or do you want to have a Long Goodbye and die to a Shieldred? Yeah, exactly. Or God forbid, an Aglazots. Oh no! Oh no! Just tied binder that thing. It's fine. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, that's enough thought into me for Demir for now. I don't want to overthink this. What about blue white control? What would cost to say? I mean, listen. I I think if I had like the time to put some reps in and play blue white control, I might. But like, I need to have a deck that has a little bit more closing speed, given that the number of hours I'm going to be able to sleep the night before is going to range from three to eight. <laughs> right. Yep. And um, yeah, I just, I don't even want to put that pressure on myself. So, and I don't think blue light control at this point is like appreciably better than these other things. You could still make an argument that it's the best deck or close to it, but I don't think it's by any leaps and bounds. So I'm kind of fine being here. Plus I, I just love preacher, man. Preacher's good. It's just the card I want to put in my deck and play with. So, well, then you got to buy some Sorens for Pioneer. No, nah, I don't want to play Pioneer. <laughs> well, I know, but at some point you might have to. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We will. H- have to, quotes. We'll get there. Hopefully, something will change. All right. I will say I'm looking at uh, Jeffrey Carr's Esper list that made top eight, and his list looks decent. Well, that's because it's like doorkeeper thrall deck. This is not Esper Midrange. This is like black white control with Rafine. Yes, accurate. No more lies, also. Yeah. Sure. And Denny. But it is a control deck, not a midrange deck. Uh certainly more controlly, yes. It's got like hate bears and Rafine, planeswalkers and spells. Yeah. Uh, the five drop of choice main deck is a Gix's command. Love that. Liliana's main deck for blue white. Love that. 26 land. Smart. Sideboard has uh shrouded shepherd, which is like the two, two adventure creature. That's also a nausea. And this is like, the idea is it's like a two mana card to interact with Boros. 
Yeah, it's a two mana nightclubber. You know, you can't play in the festivities, right? But like, you want the cheapest sweeper possible. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, doorkeeper thralling instead of playing like bats and whatnot. I think thrall is very powerful. I'm actually surprised to only see three thralls. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly strong against ramp, right? Yes. Are there other places that it really shines that are, that are not jumping out to me? It's very good against Boros, too. It's good against Boros, yeah. Just one, two is surprisingly good against Boros. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> is it frustrating to you that, like, when you look over these deck lists and hover over these cards, that it shows you, like, the most illegible art imaginable? Yeah, it's not great. That's fine, though. Whatever. I mean, even I don't like these ones, so... And that's saying something. You're not a big, like, case files person? No. No. I don't know what it is. I don't think I would say no to, like, that premise if you told me that. But, like, I'm more like, you know, the vibe I get or the feel I get when I look at it. And, you know, my first glance at these was like, ew. Yeah, not a magic card, you know? Not a not a fantasy world. Yeah, like, I, I like some of the things that don't look like magic cards, whatever that's worth. So that's not necessarily, like, a hill I'll die on or a deal breaker for me. Oh, yeah. I saw some, uh, you know, like planet Shockland art at Chicago and texted you about it. Yeah, I like them. Artist was there. You tempted me. If if they had done all 10 Shocklands, I was considering making a pretty big purchase for you. Whoa. Whoa. But they had only done three of them. And okay. I felt like that put you in a bad spot. Yeah, it depends. Like they would have to be like the perfect three, right? It was Godless Shrine, Stomping Ground, Breeding Pool. Yeah, that's not remotely close to a, a good combination of three. No, it's not. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, hey, I got you a gift. And you're like, oh, that's so nice. And I'm like, yeah, the the gift is predicated on you spending like another thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not very nice, you know? Yeah. It seems more like bait. Yeah. I mean, if you knew that was something I was already interested in and just like looking for an excuse to go down that path, I might like something like that. Sure. Right. But yeah, which is like, hey, if I can get you like all 10 of them for the office or something, I think that would be cool. Yeah. Or if you get me three knowing that I wanted them and now like, you know, I have a reason to justify the remainder of my purchases. Yeah. And maybe there was like a deal going on or something. Yeah. I'm just looking to validate, you know, excuses to do these things. Right. Yeah, but uh, that was that was not the case. And also, good God, for me not playing in any events, I was very busy in Chicago. Yeah, tell me about it. What else did you do? Uh, do you just a lot of a lot of talking to people about various things? I don't know. I just had a lot going on. Some stuff I had to handle. Uh, I was trying to give out uh, deck boxes. I put together a little bit of a a, a care package for our patrons you know and so i had 80 deck boxes i opened up some game sleeves put some packs in there and then i signed a bunch of like cards and tokens and stuff and put like six in each deck box yeah i was pretty annoyed you didn't save one of these for me oh no don't worry about it man because uh i think i gave away three of them oh because every event people are like yo you bring me some sleeves and i'm like okay message me and so on day one, uh, part of the reason I was like stressed and tilted for a while was that I'm carrying around like two giant bags of crap because I, I like some stuff to give to Niall, which I did immediately. And then I just had like 
I, I figured I would bring 10 deck boxes Friday, 10 Saturday. And we'd be good. Friday goes by. No, one, one person messaged me. And they messaged me immediately. And they found me very early Friday. And that was Brian Boss. Shout out Brian Boss. Also did pretty well in the Pro Tour. Also played Boris Heroic. All awesome things. Yes. Uh, but then it was basically just like late Sunday, people started messaging me like, hey, are you around? It's like, I mean, I am, but I'm also not carrying the shit with me anymore. So I gave up. Yeah. Also, like you being at a tournament site Sunday afternoon is not a common reliable place to find you, in my yeah. experience. Also true. So I, I had a couple of nice people find me on Sunday. Uh, Saturday, I think I was just like, nah, screw this. I'm not bringing any. And then didn't have anyone ask me. And then Sunday, I took some of the actual like magic decks out of my thing because it was pretty clear at that point, like no one was asking for cards or anything. And I was like, I'm going to bring three with me. And I managed to give all those away. Nice. But I still have, you know, 15 left or whatever, Dave. I got one with your name on it. Don't worry. Oh, I want it. When I first asked you for one, you shut me down so fast. It wasn't even funny. In in what context? Was it because I did not have them or didn't know where they were or what? No, as you, or, you were telling me you were putting these together last week. Oh, yeah. Well, because given the amount of hype, like people asking for them, I was just like, oh, they're all going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, I, I can relate to this a little bit of like once you get into the swirl of a busy weekend, like it's it goes by quickly and it's easy to forget everything. Absolutely. And I did that to some degree. But I will say, if I was asking someone to do something with their time and to carry around things for me, I would probably get those things from that pe- that person. Yeah. You're going to get crushed the next time after. But here we are. I, I don't know that I will because, like, I'm going to Philly. I don't expect there to be many people in Philly. Maybe I'll bring a couple with me or whatever, but I'm not going to bring what I have left to every single tournament until they all get given away. Uh, I like that. Bring th- th- three or four to each event every weekend. You got a bunch of events coming up. I said two, but okay. I like, I'm, I'm always going to round you up, Jerry. Push How you. about this one? Richmond, where I live. If you ask me to bring one to the tournament site for you, I will do that. Seems fair. Seems reasonable. I think that's reasonable. Uh, but yeah, Philly, I'm not going to bring a ton, especially because now I'm looking into how I'm going to travel there and whatnot. And flights are terrible. So I might take a train, which means probably packing light. Yeah. So you have Philly in a week, a little over a week, modern. Yeah. Are we exploring anything or do we have anything brewing or what? what's our excitement level? Call to the netherworld. Oh, my gosh. I regret asking this question. Yeah, what'd you expect? Yeah, I should have known better. I don't know. I, I was looking at vampire stuff. Is, is that good? Is that bad? Um, Does that help? Nobody actually knows. <laughs> Silver Smoke Ghoul, let's go. No, I don't know. If I was going to play modern uh, and wanted to win, what would I do? I guess... Maybe Leyline Rhinos, but fix the deck. That You're calling some people out here, so you're going to have to elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, Yeah, make the deck less bad. Generally, the, the direction we aspire for. 
Okay, so oh, first list I click on, 22 land. Good job, Alabaster Wolfie. You are a, a genius. Um, yeah, I like 22 land. Uh, Scion of Draco, Leyline, yes. This one has Ardent Plea instead of Shardless Agent. I don't know if that works better when you're trying to fetch for Leyline Binding to get separate lands. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, it, it could. It's hard to know, not in practice, right? But. Yeah. But generally, the 2-2 from Shardless, pretty helpful. Uh, especially with this ley line, I guess. I don't know. Uh, failure to comply in the sideboard? I don't know about all that. How is this different than the other list? This has no fire ice. Does the other list have three fire ice, 21 lands? Wait, so what did they have instead? Oh, Not this one is solitude. Crazy, though. This one has solitude, which is why it has pardon plea. I don't think I like that. I mean, it, it it's cute and clever, and you could probably convince me there are like some meta games where that might be where you want to be. I don't, I don't really feel like this is that one though. No, also rhinos is is the Delver deck. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't really want swords to plowshares. Like, I would much rather have subtlety than solitude, and they're only playing two subtleties. Uh, otherwise, I keep seeing the same Zulus do well, and it looks so bad to me. Yeah, I don't really understand it. I want it to be good too. Cause it... Yeah, now Zoo is 8% of the winner's metagame in the last 14 days. That's got to be an all time high. Remember when Nakata was banned? <sighs> Countercat, man. Dude, Racto Scam, 3.8%. Let's go. Yeah, that's good to see. Yeah, otherwise, Rhinos, Living End, Zoo, Tron, Amulet. In that order. Yogg has also just fallen off a cliff. Uh, play something that beats Cascade. Straight up. That's it. Yeah. Save us MH3, please. I mean, I find it hard to believe that nothing can beat these silly Cascade decks. I mean, I think Living End is not as frustrating for me because I think the amount of like incidental hate they have for like incidental ways they have to interact with the hate cards is like far more reasonable given the power level or the ceiling for their draws. The the Rhinos decks are the ones that are very frustrating because... Well, especially now. Like, they have Scion as a backup land. It's very reasonable. Yeah, and they were already beating up on decks that were, like, over-indexing on ways to interact with the Cascade with just, like, other things. Yeah, I stopped playing Silence and Creativity because it interacted with some of their stuff, but then I just died to their other things. Yeah. But, man, how Rakdos has fallen in all formats. It just won the Pro Tour. What do you mean? Yeah, that's vampires. But yeah, yes, that's that's very fair. Fable won every Pro Tour. Yeah, well, that's not surprising. <laughs> no. Let's be real. Fable Ooh. is busted. Ooh, Grixis Death Shadow. Oh, this is... I, I saw third place. I got excited. It was third in a prelim, which is three and one. That's not that exciting. No, not, not super strong. But yeah, any sort of like Thoughtsy Spell Pierce deck, I'd be down to mess with. Uh, we're still trying to figure out like the best way to build Grixis. Didn't really come to any great conclusions. I could do the salt eye thing with like Goif and Stub, and then you get pick your poison. 
That might be good. Yeah, I think if Rhinos was just normal Rhinos and not doing any of the other nonsense, that is a little bit more appealing. But I don't know. Having Goyf and then them just having like, you know, a big flying lifelink creature doesn't sound very fun. No, but that's that's why you have pick your poison, right? Yeah. Uh but I mean the Rhinos decks are kind of like split 50-50 from what it looked like. So Goyf is still good against half of them. Yeah, there's not consensus on if even playing with the Scion is the right way to do it. Yeah, and I don't have, I don't own late lines. I have the other Rhinos cards, you know. I imagine a lot of other people are in a similar spot. Yeah, not interested in purchasing them either. I don't know. In theory, it's playable in Pioneer too. Is it? I think it's good in Devotion. I don't know you know how good devotion is but yeah that's kind of important for deciding kind of yeah but you know if you are playing devo if devo makes a comeback then it i'm not going to say it would certainly include that card but again in terms of like power spikes it is there i guess they're 20 bucks i mean that's still a lot for a rare these days it is yeah It's got to come down with like Vayne Ripper going up, you would think. I don't know. Only so many things can be expensive in a set. Maybe it just means that all the other cards dropped. Yeah, I'm holding out on Modern for MH3. So I unfortunately won't be at the Star City, but um, there is some amount of fortunateness in that of I don't have to deal with Modern. Uh, There are six cards that are $10 or more. One of them is Under City Sewers. (laughs) Nice. The next one is War Leader's Call, 979. Let's go. My people. Also a rare, right? That's not a mythic. No, it's just a rare. I bought mine for a dollar. And I was like, how many would I play? Like two? Well, I should just get four because they're so cheap. Yeah, anything that's like under $2, I just buy four of by default. Yep. And then sometimes it pays off. Yeah. Well, the worst is if you actually end up deciding you need more of them and then you have to like go out of your way to find them. Yeah. Dude, I bought eight Inties for a dollar. Let me ask you this. How many do you have? I now have four. Oh, that's way higher than the last time I talked to you. Well, yeah, I bought the ninth one for $6. That did not feel good. And then one of the people who I lent a playset to was like, I have three of them. I mean, I guess that's kind of convenient that you ended up buying a ninth. Sure. Wait. Did you yeah. buy the ninth one after they returned three? No, before. I was like, I'm just, I was going around to different vendors in Hartford and was like, here's my list of cards. And they're like, oh, I only have one Inti. And I was like, I'll take it, whatever. You were going around trying to buy Inti, Inti numbers nine through 12. Yes. Fun. I got as far as nine and then I was given three back. So yeah, I guess now I have a playset, And yeah, they all match. They're all the same picture. They're all the, the showcase one, which I don't like, but I have them. I guess you're fortunate they didn't end up having more because you could have spent $24 on them. Yeah, well. Yeah, I don't like the showcase inties for whatever it's worth either. Yeah. Dude, Lush Portico, three bucks. Worth less than Slime Against Humanity, a common. Yeah. This set is like not that bad to open right now. No, it looks pretty good. I don't know 
how well you'd be able to actually like resell any of this stuff, but at least market price wise, it looks pretty good. I do think I, oh, maybe I did get a Vein Ripper in the two boxes I opened. I got two boxes for winning my RCQ. And you just cracked them? Man, I wish there was a market to draft, but I guess yeah, that's same. not really a thing anymore. Same. Yeah, I just busted them. It was fun. Yeah. Opening packs is fun, man. Dude, I got a tireless tracker. Uh, So nothing in March or April for you, right? No, I'm, I'm back to adulting and March and April. So, I mean, I, I will do things locally and magic online wise, but there's a few weekends where mom has a few bridal shower, baby showery things where I'm dad duty, which hopefully means, you know, magic online qualifiers slash challenges. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully back on the horse in May. For Richmond. Richmond's going to be a tight turnaround. So m- maybe middle of May. No. No. I mean, I'm going to try. I just, like, you picked the one weekend in May. I probably can't. So we'll see. We'll Look, see. Look, I did not pick it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's coming soon. So we don't even know what format. For all we know, Richmond could be Pioneer. And then if you skip it, I would not even be mad. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I would assume that it trend. I don't actually know. What, do you know when the RC that you qualified for is? <laughs> no. Like, do you even have, like, a semblance of what month it's in? No. Nah. Oh, so like, wait, it might be on my calendar, actually. It could be in March or it could be in June. I think it's June. Let the way look. that they space the RCs is, like, crazy. And, no, end of May. May 31st is RC Dallas. May 31st. Okay. I don't even want to go too far. I mean, I'll probably be there. Well, if you're going to be there and Ebes will be there, I will I'll probably go. Yeah, that might be a Leo trip, too. So Okay. Summertime in Texas, man. What, what are we going to get them up to? I don't know. Christine will be there hanging out, so maybe we'll have a babysitter. Although the rate things are going, she might be playing. Yeah, no kidding. But I probably won't be, so we'll see. Yeah, maybe you just have to babysit your own kid. Jeez. Yeah, God. It's a tough life, man. (laughs) All right, man. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, Let me know how your RCQ goes. I will. Hopefully you crush it. Hopefully. RCs are impossible for me, though. So, not high hopes. I don't know, man. You gotta, you gotta turn the corner one of these days. You gotta figure I will. it out. Listen, I'm gonna just trip onto some wins eventually. Okay. You would think so? Broken clock, etc. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right, game. Good luck.